good morning. Welcome to the second service. Some of you haven't had the chance to meet me. Some of you meet me weekly through the far door over there where Miss Mary and I work together, her greeting. Some of you meet me because I take care of when that last roll of toilet paper is missing in the third stall over. Or some of you meet me because it's not working. I'm the janitor, custodian, maintenance guy, live next door, or not next door, right upstairs. And my name's Nate Turner. I'm also one of the elders. What we got there? I don't, you're not going to see that as much because that's mainly a time of prayer. The elders get together and pray for you all and minister to you in lots of ways that you probably don't notice, but you probably notice the greeting and the main and stuff more. I also, my wife isn't here. She went on a 10-day trip with her older sister who's turning 50. They decided to go back east to Boston where one of their sisters lives. So all four girls are getting together right there right now. So I told her because she was abandoning me, I'd tell a joke. She said don't. So to make sure it ends up on the website because one of the two services will, you get a joke and understand Okay, she already knows. She did threaten me, so I may get hurt. But I've also been married 22 years, same woman, best friend, so it is simply just for fun. But every time, the previous three, if you're here for any of them, I let you know that I'm real simple in theology. If it's in the Bible, I believe it to be true. Okay, it's real simple. I may not understand it. I may not at the moment agree with it because I'm just not there yet. But if it's in the Bible, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt it's true. All right, so it's real simple. If I'm going to tell you it's my opinion, I'll be real clear. There will be no opinion this week because my wife's not here and I don't know what my opinion is. But, okay, (laughs) so there it is, all right? I just had to put it on there so I'll know. Wednesday when they upload it, I will know if she listened. All right, the phone will ring. But just for humor. The message, okay, was kind of a tough one. Those that were here before uh, last year, year and a half ago, I've done three previous ones. It's been a huge challenge. This is a tremendous adventure. I'm way out of the comfort zone for me. All right, people say, oh, you just look comfortable. I'm not calm, okay? Right now, the little mice in my head are just bouncing off the walls. But, all right, the first message was on alcohol. We were studying it as elders for months, and Brad needed somebody to preach. I talked to him. All the elders basically should theoretically be prepared. And I told him I'd get something together. He told me, hey, I put one together. I did that. And then I did one on marriage, and then I did one on margin. And it's been a whole process of working through issues and dealing with stuff and getting a great opportunity to learn and then share with you all. This one is a culmination pretty much of what was going on there, which is kind of amazing. I didn't know I was going to be preaching until two weeks ago, and I wasn't going to preach. Saturday, two weeks from this last Saturday, Brad called me in the evening. He said he had two things. And the first one was, can you preach or are you working on anything so you can preach on August 4th, two weeks away? My instant response was no, okay? Just like every time, it's always immediately if I have to get up in front of people, I'd rather not, okay? Even, and those that don't know, I teach high school science at South. I taught at Diamond. The first week of school, I'm nervous in front of my students. It's just the way I am. But I told him no. I got off the phone. My wife asked I said, well, yeah, I asked. I said, no. And she said, really? That's all she said. 
Okay, and then I'm like, oh, I made the wrong choice. Right? In reality, I'm like, should I? And so I prayed about it. Got up early Sunday morning. Brad was in here early, and I when I was, did you find somebody? He says, oh, no, no one's. I said, I'll do it. And he says, are you sure? Because he knows that it's getting right up to the pressure window. I'm trying to get ready for hunting, which is kind of important to me in school. And I coach flag football for girls, which starts this just over a week away, so it's kind of chaotic, and he was a little worried. I said, no, I got two weeks. Oh. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Luckily, my wife had picked a book before we left in June for a road trip for four weeks called for us to read with our son that we're taking a look at colleges. It's Do Hard Things, two teenagers out of Oregon who have done amazing things that God's provided opportunities. They've just decided to say yes to things instead of go with the national idea of teens don't ever do anything. And they wrote a book about their experiences. So we've been doing this Do Hard Things book, reading periodically at night, going through, talking through the issues with each other, all three of us. My oldest is also, I have two boys. The oldest is here for a little while. He's usually at college and whatnot. But we've been talking about it, and they don't only call it Do Hard Things. It often says do hard, good things. And they reference some of the scriptures that I'm going to use with you today on do good. Okay, the message is about doing good. That's the title if you ever look it up. It's just do good. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through, and I don't include the whole passage that sometimes, because for me, if you tell me to look at this verse, and I've got the Bible open, and I look down, and the next verse gets my interest. I'm reading it, and then the pastor moves on, and I figure out I have no clue what's going on anymore because I was busy. All right, so I'm going to give you a piece, and I'll give you, but feel free to read it. I'd really love it if you're reading it. We're going to put it on the screen. So I'm going to start with Matthew 19, verse 16. In Matthew 19, verse 16, this is a story, just so you get the background, because I don't have the whole thing up there. Jesus has just talked to the disciples about allowing the children to come to him, and why. And then a rich man comes up and asks him this question. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? After this, the part that I left off is that Jesus tells him to keep all the commandments, and he says, I do. Jesus listed off the first five out of ten. He says, I do all those. Jesus says, okay, if you do all those, go get rid of everything. Give it all away. Come and follow me. And the guy leaves sadly, implying he doesn't follow Jesus. He can't. Jesus asked him to do the good thing. The good thing for him is that he's got to get rid of his idol. For some of us, it may be money. Okay, some of us is totally different. For me, the true idol for me most of the time has been hunting, as I mentioned, is coming up here shortly, all right? Because it became real obvious one time my wife asked me not to go hunting, and it's like my whole world was coming undone, okay? Because it's a big deal to me. It's important to me. But I've held on to it sometimes more than I should. This guy's holding on to his wealth. He's being told the good thing. Now, I had an issue with that initially. When I read that, it says do the good thing. Okay, what good thing? What, and our word good is kind of okay. I'm like, why didn't he put do the great thing, do the amazing thing? What thing can I do that everybody notices forever that gets me into heaven? Okay, it wasn't that. It was do the good thing. So it's not always a huge thing. It's not always a big, noticeable 
happenstance or an interaction with somebody or some activity to do something for somebody. So it's just a good thing. There are words in the Bible in language that I don't understand for my students. I've had 3,300 of them now. They understand I barely get this language, so I'm not really getting the others. You'll see that eventually in some of the stuff I do. I struggle with the English words sometimes. But there's words for amazing, okay? Okay, there's words for amazing. Also on the good things, it's not just some people. It's all of us are being called. You'll see this here in a little bit. It's not just like if you think back to Paul in one of the verses in Acts, is teaching in a house, has three stories. The sinner's empty. A guy that's supposed to be paying attention falls asleep, falls on his head, dies on the floor. Okay? Paul leans down, gets right down next to him, talks to him, lifts him up, and tells him all it's okay. Okay? He did a good thing, kind of amazing thing, kind of a great thing, but it was a good thing. We're not all going to do that kind of good, but we are called to do good. The next verse, Hebrews 13, 16, and these are all out of the New International Version, so they're slightly different depending on what you're using. This says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifice God is pleased. Hebrews, in case just for a little tidbit, Hebrews was written by an unknown author, written to Jewish believers that were starting to struggle because they believed Jesus was coming right back. Okay? He didn't make it right away. They're struggling. So Hebrews is written. The whole book of Hebrews is written to encourage them. One of the things they're being encouraged is to continue to do good things and share with others. Okay? The good things, once again, don't have to be great. It's just whatever you're prompted to do. Whatever the Holy Spirit, we'll talk more about that here in a little while. Whatever the Holy Spirit is calling on you to do, that's what you're supposed to do. Another verse that brings that back up is Timothy. 1 Timothy, both 1st and 2nd Timothy, were written by Paul to his mentoree Timothy, trying to encourage him on how to deal with the church of Ephesus, which was struggling, and Timothy was trying to lead that church and lead that body of believers. And 1st Timothy 6.18 says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So there's three parts in there. The sharing again, the deeds, they're good deeds, so these are actions, and to do good. And that do good is more than just actions. That do good can simply be how you relate to people. Moving into the church a few months ago, almost seven months ago now, I now see way more around here than what most of you ever see. Some of you, if you come here often, you may see this. But there's a gentleman every day, a couple times a day, he goes down Brayton Drive. He starts usually behind the Alaska Club. He wears a dark green hooded jacket. He's been pushing a bicycle most of the time. Sometimes he carries a skateboard. He doesn't ride the bike. He just pushes the bike down the road. He goes and he stands down there, holds a sign, says, need money, never ever, hardly ever talks to anybody. Periodically, I'm out along the road cleaning trash up, one of my things I do, and I've said hi to him twice, okay? Is that a good thing? Possibly, because more likely not a lot of people say good things to that gentleman. Okay, struggling. 
we learned, because my wife and I work at the soup kitchen, she works there. We used to volunteer. I volunteer once in a while, usually doing maintenance stuff. But that group of people is really tough for me to interact with. When we first started doing stuff when my kids were really young, it was really, really tough on me, mainly because I was used to trying to do for myself, and it was okay to have somebody help you, but to just always show up with the same thing over and over or ask for a pair of pants, you get them a pair and they tell you that, oh, I only wear this version, not that version. I don't do so well with that. But, okay, I learned over time, and if you're here for the marriage sermon, I learned through some experiences in my own life what struggles people can be in and how tough things can be. And for that gentleman, doing good, or for you, doing good can be simply how you interact or relate with people, whether it's family, friends, mainly the complete stranger, somebody you're totally uncomfortable with. How do you interact? What are you doing that's good? Now, why are we to do good? When I was studying this, reading it, working on it, thinking through it, reading verses, which there are a lot. There are a lot of Old Testament verses, too, and I ended up not using any of them. But when I was reading through it, I was like, why are we asked to do good? And as I read through it, it caught me that I read it, and I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, it's telling me to do good. So it's about me. And then finally, I'm like, no, it's not really about me. The to, the to do good had nothing in there, and it has nothing about me. I got the focus wrong. Okay, the to do good isn't about us. It's about what we're allowing Christ to do through us for somebody else. Okay, the do good really has nothing to do with me. So a real quick, easy way I had figured out just over a week and a half ago to figure this out, because I did something that I was really wanting to just yell out, hey, see what I did, see what I did. And that's a real quick test for me. Did I do something? Did I say something? Did I work with somebody in a way that I want everybody to see what I did? Okay? Or did it just happen? And the only one that may have seen it was God. That's the difference. Is the good things I'm doing allowed to be done through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life for other people? Because it's really not about us. We tend to make everything about us. It's because natural human behavior, but it's not about us. And the most important piece I picked up in doing good things while we're asked, commanded to do good things is that doing good things is indirect evangelism. The biggest struggle I have with my faith is that I never feel that I'm an evangelist. I'm never good at it. I never seem to be able to talk to people unless they bring it up, and then I still don't do very good with it. It's the peace in my walk that is just a big struggle. Years ago, we used to do several years, we did these classes in the summertime, bodybuilders, and one of them was led by a gentleman here on evangelism, so I did it. Still wasn't getting it. Still wasn't working. Some people I've learned, it's just their wiring. There's a lady in this church that we're part of a small group with last year that's just really good at it. Out of the blue, I met a man on a road trip while I was sitting in the little fake breakfast thing at the hotel. The lady that came over to ask how I was doing walked away. He walks in. He instantly, hey, do you know where an Assembly of God church is here in Bozeman? No. Do you know where any church is? Well, do you go to church? And then he just went, and for a half hour while I was having my coffee, he just went and went and went, okay? Just, some people are gifted that way. 
I'm not. Okay, but through doing good, through allowing the Holy Spirit to direct me to do good and to do the things he calls for the people that he puts in my life, there's an indirect way. Now, you can make it negative. Okay, I forgot to share this first service, but it's just like as a kid, you used to take the gum wrappers, you put them together so that people think there's gum in them and give them to them, or candy. You can do the same thing with doing good. I did this for you because God told me I had to. That's not going to go over very well, okay? That's not going to work real well, okay? That's banging them in the head, and that's not going to be effective. But the indirect way is by just allowing your life to show. In teaching, I can't really be real direct. Sometimes I am, and sometimes I live on the edge of having to explain to my wife periodically I may have to go to the office. Once in a while, I get in trouble, but sometimes, just like I'm going to do something for you today because I'm a science teacher and I just got to, I could get hurt, and I tell the kids, it's okay, I'm insured, and most of them think that I got a lot of money, I don't have a lot of money, and I don't buy a lot of insurance, what I have, and can say, oh, what do you mean, I'm going to go to heaven, <laughs> okay, you stay back, but I'll do this, and if I get killed, I'll go to heaven, and it's just an easy way, you know, Kind of indirect, kind of a little direct. So far, I haven't had to write anything up on that one. But, okay, it's just a way to minister. Doing good things is truly a way for your life to just show Christ at work in you. Now, there's a piece to that that's a little tough. James 4.17. James 4.17 is where it gets a little rough. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Now, for the believers in here, because I know reality, we're not all in the family. I'll pray, and maybe you'll join today. We don't know. But that right there should just jump out at you. If there's something the Holy Spirit's directing you to do, a good deed, a good act, a good relationship, a good interaction, something good, and you don't do it, you're committing a sin. If you have no clue then you're not. That's rough for me, this either-or thing. For me, it's all sin or it's not sin. This one, it's... And the issue here is understanding that. And then I realized, for some of us, you come home, she says, what do you think? Your brain instantly, if you've been married very long, goes, did she get her hair cut? Did she get her nails done? Is there something new in the house? Or there? And you're just playing that what am I supposed to remember game because you've got no clue. Okay, I have no clue. It's often just a little funny game. Oh, what do you think? And it's like, okay. And then I get told, and it used to be a pride, and then it just became I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I got no idea it's not a sin issue it doesn't mean I don't have to work on don't hear that for those that are newly married or you know that doesn't mean you get to say I get out of jail free card okay no I had to work on it I got a little better I do notice haircuts now more the drapes that went up I had no clue and I'm working there but okay there are some things but if you've got a clue that's where it's important if you've got a clue you know the Holy Spirit's directing you you choose not to do it you're in sin, okay? That's very, very important. You have to deal with that. In another hard one, Luke 6, 33 to 35, they're going to be up here in 
three separate verses, but we're going to go through all of them. I'll give you a minute to get there. I know some of you just have to hit a little button and it jumps on the screen, but some of us are still paper enjoyable. Luke 6.33 says, And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from who you accept repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Now, when I read that one, prepping the message, reading a whole bunch of stuff, it was like, there's a lot there, and good preachers that just spend all day on it. Some of them we know would spend all day on just that one verse, but, all right, I'm not there. That jumped out at me that if sinners are willing to do good things for sinners, you know, and we're supposed to do good things, we should be doing good things to everybody. Unfortunately, sometimes we get in the mentality in church bodies that we only do good for those in our body. If they're in our body, if they're part of our church, we'll help them out. We ignore everybody else, but we'll help them out. We just go and do get-togethers. We go and do functions. We only do stuff at the church. That's not what we're supposed to be doing, okay? We're supposed to be doing good to everybody, Okay, and especially the non-believer, because the whole point, in case you've never got it before, the whole point is to get the non-believer to be a believer part of the family. Okay, that's the whole point. That's the whole real point for today. All right, it's also to encourage you and strengthen you and give you some instruction in the Word, but the reality is we're commanded to go out and make disciples. All right, that's a big command all over the world and teach them of the commands Christ gave us, but the biggest thing in that passage, why, all right, why is God asking us to do good things, and why are we supposed to? And it's at the very end. It says, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. And I thought about it, and it didn't take me long, <laughs> okay? I was ungrateful, still sometimes, and I was wicked. And sometimes I still am. Okay? You're not instantly cleansed of all issues when you become a believer. But I was ungrateful. I was wicked. I was no different than anyone else. So when we're doing good to non-believers, believers, people we don't understand, people we don't agree with, people that may hate us, even if they don't know us, they just hate because we're from one group of people or a different group because we believe what we believe, we're to do good to everybody. And that's really, really, really tough. Okay, it's really tough to do good, to be nice and kind to people that aren't being nice and kind to you. Really, really tough. But it's easier when you draw on the fact that God gave Christ to us, even though we were ungrateful and wicked. He gave Christ to us so that we could take and develop a relationship, believe in him, allow him to take over our life, 
no longer be Lord of our own. And then we receive the ultimate blessing of eternal life. We receive what the rich man wanted but couldn't do. But God did good for us, even though we were that wicked and ungrateful. And we're all there. It's really, really easy as a believer for me to think that I'm good and the person in the news that did this really bad thing is wicked and horrible and just done. I have no clue, but it's easy to pass judgment. Okay, It's easy and not want to do good. It's really, really tough, and it's really amazing when you read the stories of believers that have done amazing things for the wicked and ungrateful, the people that we consider outcasts or the people that we consider too out there done something so horrible. Okay, that's a huge good that comes out of their belief, out of their faith. Then, in Peter, the next two verses that go together, 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And finally, 1 Peter 2.15, which goes along with this. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So one of the other big things for doing good, one of the other main impetuses for doing good, God asking us to do good, not great, not amazing, good, all right, is so that what we do, folks that know that we are believers in Christ, know that we have a connection to Christ, can relate the fact that we're doing good in situations where it's really, really, really tough. People that you just really don't want to have to deal with or things you just don't want to have to do, but you do because you know God is calling you to do. It should not be uh, obligatory. I got that one out on the first shot. All right? That's not normal. All right? You shouldn't feel you have to do it it's that God's calling you to do it, and you're just responding to God's call. That call comes through the Holy Spirit. For those that haven't heard this before, you may be visiting, you may be totally new to the faith, there's the Trinity, we've got God the Father, we've got Jesus Christ, and then when you become a believer in Christ, when you accept Christ, and there's nothing special you have to do really as far as, I've been in some churches where you have to say words in certain order or do certain things or talk to certain people, Lots of ways you can get to Christ. You get to Christ, you'll know, okay? You'll develop a relationship with Christ. It'd be great if you talk with somebody immediately to make a connection to help you during the stress of the event or the process because what's going to happen is you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And different churches teach different things on this, but you get the third part. The Holy Spirit resides in you. God's directing you through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's communicating to your spirit and directing you, providing that. And through prayer and listening, taking time, most of us don't listen well, we'll pray, but turn the ears off, all right? Through listening, you'll understand what you're being asked, what good's being called on you, what you're being asked to do, how you're being asked to relate. Sometimes you'll be asked to relate to somebody you totally don't want to have to deal with. Last year, this happened with me at work. There's somebody that I just absolutely wish I didn't ever have to see. But they happen to walk by my room every day. 
So I just started saying, hi. I have not received any response out of 15 highs. <laughs> okay, I've been keeping count. After the third one, I just decided I'm going to keep count, see if I ever even, I've gotten the head to come up off and back down twice. Okay, but I felt God was calling me to, you know, make a connection here, even though there's a personality conflict, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know what I did. Someday I may find out what the issue is, but I've tried. All right. But I felt God was calling me to do that. It was way tough to do that because I was really, really nervous. I was just going to get eaten alive. But, okay, responding. Responding to the call on you. Okay, the Holy Spirit is going to call on you, is going to ask you to do things. Sometimes they're amazing things. Some people have been called to do amazing things. Early on in the HIV outbreak, there were stories where people weren't willing to go work with folks because of the difficulties with getting infections and those issues, just like in the Congo with the Ebola. Often Christian organizations and individuals went in there and worked. Even though they do, they may never get out. Right? Not that they'd stay there, it's just that they'd pass away from the diseases they were involved with and the issues. But they went and did the good that God called them to do. We're not all going to be called to that. It's sort of like when I was asked, or actually, Brad had an emergency, needed someone to preach. He called us all. I was gone, luckily. So I emailed because I was out of state. Okay, on the first road trip for the oldest child. Sorry, I'm not there. And I came back, just felt a horrible conviction. So I went and talked to him. I said, I'll work on doing, getting a sermon together. I'll show it to you. So if you ever need to call again, I should be ready. He goes, great. How you feel about, <laughs> okay? Stress city. It was not, this is not my normal, okay? But I worked on it, okay? I allowed that good to work on me. I have no idea where I was going that story. That happens to me sometimes. But I just allowed the Holy Spirit to take over that, and each time it has been that. This last time, as I told you, I didn't want to do it, but I felt God telling me I had to. And the big impetus was that book my wife got that we've been reading with my son, Do Hard Things, Do Hard Good Things. Because that's what jumped right at me, is I was not willing to do something that's hard on me that's also a good thing. Okay, now why did I do it? Because the Holy Spirit's just saying, hey, this is what you need to be doing. And if I ignore it, the Holy Spirit's probably also going to say, guess what? You've got to deal with that sin issue. And hopefully, one of the two guys I meet with every week or the elders that I pray with every Tuesday or a few other gentlemen I know would say, you know, you're sinning there. You're making a mistake. You've got problems. That's important to have. That's a whole other message on having people in your life willing to say, That's a, you're screwing up. Tough to listen to, but it's important to have. Now, what is the good? That was really hard for me because it's just the English language for me is tough. And it says the good, and to me, I'm like, what's that mean? Like, is that a thing, a person, a place? I kind of got those in like sixth grade. But, okay, the good. What the good is, what it finally came to me, was that it's just love. That's all the good is. It's just love. Your good deeds, your good actions, your good relationships, your good interactions are just love. You're allowing Christ's love to go through you and be able to go to somebody else. That's the good. That's all the good is. The only way that works, okay, 
This is where it comes from. The only way it works, and I hit this before, is the Holy Spirit. You truly are relying on the Holy Spirit. Okay? It says in the Bible, and I meant to look it up so I could remember it and I didn't write it down, that the only good, nothing for me is good. The only good is what Christ does through me. All right? That's truly the only good is what Christ does through me. And what's done through me is the Holy Spirit's directed me to do certain things, say certain things, interact with people in certain ways, or not do certain things. That's always the hard one to listen to. Okay? That's the hard one. Now, to emphasize this, I didn't do a good job of this the first service, so worship team, it's coming. I'm a science guy. Okay? So, I'm going to show you something. I tested it. I also did a last service. And I tested it with Brad before we went on vacation so he'd know that the church would be around. This, this is just water. This is going to be us. And I didn't know if it's supposed to be you and I, I and me, who, whatever. Okay, I went with me or you. All right, this is us. This is us. Y'all, I have this in my classroom, so I don't have to worry. I've never had to use it. I have had accidents happen, but I've never had to get this out. All right? Including accidents with these. Okay? But this can't show you that yet. That's a surprise. This is your good deed. And when I did this morning, I had to, you know, woke up at 4 o'clock this morning, came down here because I just live right there, and said, okay, is this going to work? And I'm thinking it through. I did this. And instantly, years and years and years, my mom driving us in. She's here today, too. That's why I've been way nervous. All right? Driving us in from a long way away sometimes to church, going to Sunday school, my little light of mine. Okay? No bushel, all right? But it's just the way it goes. This is when we do good. It's so important, all right? But it don't last very long, all right? That's when we do good, all right? But when you're a believer, and this is you, please, please don't do this on your own. Theoretically, I'm trained. But remember, I got insurance. Now, this is the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is going to be the Holy Spirit. Now, Mythbusters, the original season, they didn't realize how bad things can go. After they got sued a bunch. Okay? Now what they'd do is they'd hold it up and say, this is blur. All right? So this is blur. All right? I just called the Holy Spirit. Because this is what happens. You realize that you need Christ in your life. You ask him to be your personal Lord and Savior to take over your life. And instantly, God gives you some Holy Spirit. Now, as I told everybody first service, my grandma's last name is Pentecost. She was Pentecostal, which is also very, very funny. I've always found that hilarious as forever. But if that happens, you get more. But those that are assembly of God, Pentecostal, you find that funny. Some of you just have no clue what that joke's about, but that's okay. Now, we can go ahead and lower the lights a bit. You saw what good was. 
When it was you. That's here. All right, this is... Alcohol and water don't burn once it gets to 50%. That's why I put that in. So I got to talk and I forgot to dump it out. I almost had to use that. <laughs> but the effect still worked. It just almost started the bottom on fire, which would have got us a little excited. But I've taught for 23 years. I could have just played it off. <laughs> you saw what happened. Our little good using the Holy Spirit allowed it to be a huge impact. Now, it shouldn't draw attention to us. With the lights off, you don't really notice the jug. You got this flame shooting up. The first one's like a tornado going off, okay, a little rocket engine. But it shoots up, shoots back, shoots up, shoots back. That's because of a pressure issue for the science-minded people. We created a pressure difference. Oxygen floods in there and reignites when it gets the right amount. Just keeps doing it for because I forgot to dump the extra alcohol out a long time. Please don't touch the jug. It is really hot. But with the Holy Spirit, it has a huge impact. Without the Holy Spirit, not very much. And it also has nothing to do with us. Okay, that's critical. It has nothing to do with us. It's like today, my very first time I gave a sermon, I was really, really, really worried that I'd think it was due with me. After spending weeks getting ready and giving it, I had no idea. I didn't know. It didn't matter about it. I just was thrilled it was over. It's not about me. Doing good is not about us. It's about the Holy Spirit working through us, loving people through the action of the Holy Spirit. That's all it is. Thank you for being patient with me. It's been a blessing. Don't know when it will happen again, but it has been encouraging. I'm going to go ahead and pray for our service and allow the worship team to come up. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study your word, give time and energy to thinking through what you would have me share, but especially time to pray and just listen to the Holy Spirit on what I should share from my own life as well as what I needed to share from the scripture and how to try to make it impacted to people. My greatest prayer is that those that are not part of the found will get one step closer, if not all the way there, to the relationship with you and how that can change their life. And hopefully they also understand that change will be based on the Holy Spirit. It's good work on their spirit and on their heart in the time. and Just allow them to develop that relationship with you. And for those that are the believers in the body, I just pray that they'll take a good hard look at what they're allowing you to ask them to do and their response to it and allow them to do whatever it is the Holy Spirit's calling on them and allow them to be willing to follow. In your name I pray. Amen.